Hello and welcome to the next episode of Lost in Criterion. I'm John Patrick Owatari Dorgan, and with me, as always, is a man who has to travel through rivers of pus and excrement both ways to work every day uphill. <laughs> My life is hard, uh, and the world is hell. Before we get into the film this week, I want to talk about our Patreon, patreon.com slash lostincriterion. For just a dollar a month, you get access to a non-criterion film Is bonus there a tote episode. Bag? There's no tote bag. You sound like you sound like the PBS guys today. I'm sorry that I am putting my heart into trying to get people to give us money. For a tote bag, right? There's a tote bag? <laughs> There's no tote bag. Why not? Because you haven't designed like, one yet, like, Pat. The highest level. At $700 a month. Pat will design a tote bag. I will send you, count them, one tote bag. One bespoke tote bag. Yeah, I will make make that that shit by hand. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, let's see. Actually, my wife can crank out a tote bag in like an hour. Yeah, probably. Your wife will probably a tote bag. You'll you'll outsource that. No, okay, I want to give you a little, okay, you want to take a real side trip down an alley that we probably don't need to on this podcast? Sure, why not? So, Japanese children bring to preschool and elementary school a tote bag. Okay. Uh, for an elementary school, it's for their library books. You can buy these, but it is considered it is considered a sign of a good mom or a good dad. Dads make them too. Uh, to go out and find a piece of fabric that the kid really likes or a piece of fabric you already own that is like somehow meaningful to the child and make a tote bag for them. Okay. So like... The number of bespoke tote bags that I see on a <laughs> daily basis is fucking wild. All right. Like, almost every kid has one that, like, his mom or his grandma or his dad, his grandpa, somebody fucking crafted for him so or her so that it has exactly what they want on it. It's wild. It's very sweet. It is. It's the real, the, and they're very, like, the pattern's, like, well-known or whatever. I don't know if maybe they pass it, but I don't know where the pattern comes from. But they're always like basically because it, it's there's a set standard size and everything. It's it's wild though. So you know you want a tote bag? Give me seven hundred dollars. I'll make you a tote bag. <laughs> it seems like we're we're really uh, really PBSing on our pricing structure too. <laughs> Speaking of which, for just one dollar a month, you get access to a non-criterion bonus episode. Uh, we put together a list of films that you get to vote on. That list is usually themed either uh, after something we've watched recently or some idea that's been stuck in my head or uh, lately we've maybe had... Maybe it'll just be a whole bunch of genie movies. Maybe just wink, a bunch wink, of genie movies, nice. wink, wink. Um, lately we've been taking user suggestions on, on the list. Uh, Which so I really often. like doing. I think that's a great thing that you're doing now. And I yeah. really I think that's smart. I think it's really good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, for just a dollar a month, you get access to that episode. You get to vote on it. And uh, Kazam, the 1996 Shaq starring children's movie about a genie, is always an option. Always. It's always the right choice. Let's be clear here. I made, they made us watch it once, and they've come close uh, to making well, yeah, us watch it We talked about this times. before. I decided Sorry. to preemptively build out the Stockholm Syndrome on it because yeah. like, I oh, don't feel like they're getting there. Grab it whole hog, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, if I'm if I've watched it once, I'm hoping that they'll start really laying into it. But like, if they're not going to, my like I described before, my goal is to someday be able to 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 sit in a bar with some people I just met, describing to them why Kazam is the greatest movie <laughs> ever made, and do it totally and utterly earnestly. I want that for me. Ah. Uh. We've uh, we've watched a really eclectic mix of movies over there. Uh, sometimes really good ones like Louis Malle's uh, God's Country or uh, Dog Day Afternoon or uh, Failsafe was pretty good too. Sometimes really really good. bad ones like the uh, the kicking and screaming, the one about kids soccer. Uh, oh, no, not the uh, yeah, not the Bombach movie. Not I'm the so... Bombach movie. The bad one. 
The Will Ferrell one. Um, I wish that the Will Ferrell one also had the plot of the Noah Baumbach movie. But it was just like <laughs> just weirdly like, about kids' summer, like soccer league. I don't know. That would be, that would be awesome. Uh, we could we – could, I'm sure such a mashup actually exists somewhere. Probably. Uh, I just, I'm just imagining – I like the idea of like, like – it could work. I mean it could. It could actually work. Yeah. Uh, other times we've watched movies that are more exactly in between those two. Uh, like, uh, uh, goodness, what I are just, you gonna name? I just lost the name of the big, uh, the Spielberg one we did. Uh, Ready Player One. I don't know why I lost oh, the name yeah. of Ready Player One. Yeah, yeah, that's, I guess that falls somewhere in the middle. I mean, yeah, that's probably true. Yeah. Ready Player One was much better than I expected it to be. I will be, I will say that. And, and, and I mean, like, I, I would say, I would argue that Ready Player One and, uh, Kicking and Screaming are on vastly different levels of hell. Oh yeah, certainly, certainly. Like Ready Player One is is totally serviceable as a movie. You can just watch it. Yeah, watch it. It's fine. Right, right. Kicking and screaming is not. It is it's not. not just no, fine. it's torture. Uh, had you chosen kicking and screaming instead of Kazam, I would no longer be on this podcast. <laughs> well, I'm glad we didn't do that, but we still watched it one month. Uh, if you uh, if you support us, uh, no matter what the dollar amount, you also obviously get access to all those past episodes. Um, one highlight of the past episodes, if you want to support us, I really highly recommend. A uh, friend of the show who's been on the main oh. podcast a lot, oh, Donovan so Hill, uh, is on quite a few of our bonus episodes. And there is one in particular, uh, oh, the so one beautiful. I released in December of 2017, is the director's cut of our Aliens episode, in which Donovan spends an, nearly an hour, an hour. Yeah. if not more, uh, complaining about Alien Covenant, a film that at the end of that it was revealed he has <laughs> so not good. seen, and neither Pat See, nor no. I had seen it at the time, so we could not question whether or not what he was saying about Alien Covenant was true, and we got all the way to the end and discovered he had not seen it, and it is beautiful and is one of the my favorite episodes so we ever good. done, but it's like two and a half hours long because yeah, of that. Yeah, it's a long one. Uh, anyway. See, my problem is is that, here's my problem, Adam. The, the problem is to convince somebody to join so that they can hear that requires you to make a essentially give a spoiler for the best part of that because the reveal was insane. The reveal is insane. Like our reactions, I don't, I, I remember that feeling. I'll probably remember that feeling for the rest <laughs> of my life. Wait, what? Yeah. It was, it was so good. I feel like he must. I he. I almost feel like there's no way that it was that good without him almost feeling like he was doing. I. I still feel like maybe he did that on purpose. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love because at the so end much. he's just like, no, I haven't seen it. I'm like <laughs> what? 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 <laughs> and then our brains broke, and it was wonderful it was and so beautiful. Good. It's so good. Ah. Uh, anyway, for a little extra five dollars a month, uh, we do promise to thank people on air. So if you want to hear your name said by two Midwestern podcasters uh, and possibly mispronounced, go ahead and give us $5 a month. Oh, yeah, no, we will mispronounce the shit out of your name. Currently, Adam Speakerman and Kevin Little are our two $5 supporters. And I'm I, pretty I sure I said on the mispronunciation of, right. of Little. I mean, I'm really disappointed that you didn't stick with our weird, like, Elvish or Klingon, like, what was it? it the, I can't remember how we did it. But. We, uh, we added at least four syllables one week. Yeah, it was good. <laughs> good. It was good. A little above that, $10 a month and above, we do something that I think is really great, really special. Pat makes a piece of art based on one of the films we've watched recently. I get that printed up on a postcard and write a thank you note to you. And we mail that off once a month. We also thank those people on air. And in that regard, thank you to Jason Westhaver, who has been supporting us at $10 a month for ooh, nearly a year and a half now. Um, Certainly a year and a half by the time this I episode it was almost goes to two air. Years, but... um, well, he's he started at at lower dollar amounts, so oh, okay. uh, so he's probably been supporting us for for over two years by this point. Um, but he is about uh, he's been at uh, the ten dollar mark for uh, for a good chunk of that too over a year. Um, and then Michael McGrath, who uh, who is our our biggest supporter. Uh, currently uh, giving us more than $10, and we're very grateful to him for that. Yeah, we appreciate it, for sure, from both of them. So this week, we are talking about a Japanese horror film from 1960. It is Jigoku. Uh, Literally. Yeah, I mean, sure it is. I mean. Sure it's a horror film? 
<laughs> no, I was gonna I was gonna make fun of your pronunciation. I'm sorry. I'm gonna ask. Would you say it, please? I just need to make it G. G. G- it's not gonna be a soft I. It's gonna be a hard I. It's gonna be G ah. Goku. Okay, G Goku. Yeah, Literally there no, translated there's no, means there's no, hell. Yeah, there's no soft I in, in Japanese. It's, mm. it's going to be G. Yeah. Uh, is there a soft E in Japanese? Yeah. So. Yeah. Like, all those all those E's, it'd be Shigeru, like, is his name. Hell. Hell is a good name. Anyway. Um, it is. Uh, what? 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 I said, I, I, if you told me there was a, there were no soft E's in in Japanese, I was going to say that the literal translation of this this film name is Hill, but um, <laughs> or Heel, um, but Heel. no, Hell is Welcome the translation. Heel. Um, it is directed by Nobuo Nakagawa, uh, and I'm certain I said that wrong too. No, you did a really oh, good job on that one. Really, I'm really, I'm proud of that. Was good. Thank you, thank you. Um, as I said, it uh, it came out in 1960, uh, and it had uh, it it almost immediately became a cult classic. <laughs> I can't uh, imagine why. But it had it had some international appeal in that it was <laughs> batshit okay, insane. It one, it's batshit insane. But but more importantly, as far as international appeal in the 1960s go, is that it opens with jazz music and naked writhing women. Um, Barely covered naked writhing women that have nothing to do with the plot of the film. No, well, except until they show back up like later that, for a couple of seconds. I, okay, my okay, my I'm going to describe to you one of my favorite things in the film. Okay, that is like totally random. Okay, we get back to the naked writhing women in the end of the film, right? And there's this one scene that's supposed to be a still frame of them. Yeah, but it's clearly just film. And one of them is breathing really hard, and her hand keeps twitching. And I was like, and like because it's a totally still scene, like my eye, you know, your eyes are drawn immediately to motion, even like the most subtle motion. So I, I'm like, for for some reason that tickled me because like you could just have a still shot here, like that's what you want, right? But you've got these poor women like posing. And the film's running, and she can't stop twitching for whatever reason. You're like, ah, fuck it. I guess I'm just gonna use this take. It's I don't know. It's just it, it tickled me for some reason. Like whenever whenever somebody's supposed to be frozen and or like dead, and you can see motion, I, it tickles me deeply, and I don't know why. I'm a child. I'm glad. I'm glad that you're a child. It's delightful. Um, <laughs> this is such a such a bizarre bizarre movie. It's so good though. It's so goodly. It's so. It's so wonderfully bizarre. Yeah, this was this was Shintoho's uh, last film before they oh, declared it? before they declared bankruptcy in sixty wow, one. Really, I didn't know that. Yeah, that's amazing. And then they, uh, you know, then they split they off and, and became. Well, they already were. But. Yeah, reinvented themselves um, after the bankruptcy, but uh, but yeah. yeah, we've had a conversation about them in there and their. In that topic, haven't we? Like right after how yeah. it how it sort of it changed into other things. Um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's it's last production which Jigoku, um, and then it became uh, I think uh, just Toho grew out of those ashes, didn't it? Or or am I wrong on that? I don't know. I, I'd have to look. Like I might. Um... No, no, Tohu existed no, before. I don't think so. I think it just died. Yeah. Anyway. Um, yeah, I mean, their their last film they ever made was, uh, what was it? Uh, well, this was the last film that Shinto, uh, Shintoho made. Right, uh, right, right. Well, I mean, I thought, like, yeah, I thought they had, like, a new version of themselves later, but yeah. know, maybe I think I'm wrong. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I'm thinking of somebody else, I think. Yeah. Uh, they, but but you're right to say that they had they had tread in a lot of uh, more interesting things prior. Um, yeah, they did a lot of space operas before this and other horror films, uh, mostly about uh, cat ghosts. Um, yeah, <laughs> Black Cat Mansion uh, is a uh, another film by Nakagawa that they had released prior. Um, he had a tendency to like uh like Suzuki uh take the uh the baseline 
films that they were trying to put out as quickly as possible and do weird, weird stuff with them. Um, yeah. Interestingly enough, uh, Stray Dog, the Kurosawa film, was put out yeah. by Shintoho too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they. Uh, it kind of makes sense though, because like, that's the most sort of like, in a lot of ways, Stray Dog so far in what we've watched is sort of the most general schlocky. Yeah. Film, like in the sense that like it's just it's much closer to like what people just made in that era. Right. I mean, it's not because it's it's still got his stamp and like what he does in it, but like it's just it's much closer to just a standard drama right. than a lot of what we've come to see from him later so right um so jigoku um yes jigoku jigoku say say it one more time for me stop listening say it one more time for me jigoku jigoku okay it is g yeah no 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 soft eyes yeah so jigoku um this What a what a completely ridiculous movie this is. So the criteria. No, I I I legitimately. I'm going to tell you, I legitimately love this movie yeah. because it is batshit fucking insane, and I love it for it. Like, I was a little. I mean, I'm I'm never that worried about Japanese like horror from the 60s because it's always kind of goofy. Yeah, but like this one is, and like the subject matter that it plays around with is just so ludicrous. Like. Okay, we have all kind. It is, it is weird because it is a, it is an odd look into like cosmology, yeah, of a thing that no Japanese person thinks about, right, right, or worries about or thinks exists really, yeah. Like, I don't know. Like, it's wild because it's like, what was going on in this guy's head, the director? Like, what led him to make this movie? Is I mean, I we we had those interviews and stuff, but like, I kind of still don't understand like what uh, what his like his deal was like 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 what what was the, what was the goal? Well, uh, so he was tasked by the producer to write a script called Heaven and Hell, and he turned in this script, and the producer said uh, that heaven's nowhere to be seen in this script. And uh, and co-writer uh, Ichiro Mayago, uh, Mayagawa, ugh, Miyagawa, Ichiro Miyagawa, uh, jokingly replied that uh, they would write about heaven in the sequel. Um, oh God, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so it was supposed to be a, a morality play, I suppose, of people ending up in heaven and people ending up in hell. Uh, but instead, it's a movie so, okay. where everybody ends up in hell. It's okay, but this is okay. So that's that's where we already get into a weird point because, like, that is a really weird film to imagine somebody trying to produce in Japan. Like, right? not a, like, the, like this is a horror film, right? But like, clearly, that person did not want it to be a horror film when it started, right? Like, that was not the goal. If people are ending up in heaven and hell, that's not the goal, right? Yeah. But like, we're talking about a country that's fairly deeply a religious, right? Like, I don't know, like, who that's meant to sell to. Like, we want a, a, we want a weird morality play where, like, we learn about, like, who's going to go to heaven and who's going to go to hell. And, like, like I, I guarantee you that I could walk down the street. And in fact, I've seen man-on-the-street interviews in Japan about this. And, like, we could ask somebody about Buddhist cosmolo- uh, uh, cosmology or whatever. Cosmo- Am I saying that word right? Cosmology. Yeah. Yeah, why every so often I say cosmology, I'm like, I'm not talking about makeup. What's wrong with me? Um, and uh, they would have no idea. They just wouldn't. I ba- I barely know anything about it because it doesn't. I mean, I I need to talk about it occasionally, but it very rarely comes up. It's not super important uh, to people's lives, right? And like, this is such a weird deep dive into it that it's like, like as a horror film, it's fine, but like as a as an discussion of Japanese or of like Buddhist understandings of hell it's like weird in the sense that like no one gives a shit <laughs> like I don't know it's just really weird that way like 
the average Japanese person goes that like literally interacts with Buddhism like twice a year. Right. right. Well, not even twice a year. Like once a year and anytime somebody dies. <laughs> uh you got Buddhism for uh like um I don't know what to call it, like how to translate it, but like ancestor the week that like your ancestors returned to earth. Um that's a Buddhist holiday, but we don't really people don't really go to Buddhist temples. That's just it is a Buddhist holiday. And then when somebody dies, it's a Buddhist monk who does the ceremony. Uh, that's kind of it. Like, I mean, there obviously are religious people, you know, obviously, but like a, a huge percentage of the population just doesn't give a shit as far as I can tell. Yeah. And so this is just a weird topic to be like, yeah, I'm going to do a deep dive into this thing that nobody really cares about. <laughs> like, and then I'm going to make it into a horror film and it's going to be real weird. And there's going to be a weird sort of devil character, which is a thing that doesn't exist in Buddhism as far as I know. Well. Like who tempts people that like kind of like Daniel and, or was it uh, the devil and Daniel Webster's around and like Faustianly like tries to make him do bad stuff? Yeah. It, um, so there's Lord Enma, who is who that's supposed to be. Um, well, I'm talking about uh what is it? Oh, or whatever oh the, the character. Like, yeah, no, I, there's there's definitely devils. Like, don't yeah. get me wrong. I, I mean, like, uh, like I said, yeah. I've, what, I've what tomorrow is. Experience, but I know a fair, a decent amount about Buddha's, yeah. like, religious philosophy and stuff like that. My issue is that, like, as far as I'm aware of, he's, like, going around, fausting around. Yeah. And kind yeah. of, like. What tomorrow. Trying to tempt Tamura yeah. is, is a little yeah, ambiguous yeah. within the film. Uh, though the fact that he's being punished at the end, I believe, for for selling his soul, uh, suggesting right, yeah, that's no, where he's, he's gained all this not knowledge. A devil, but like, yeah, he also like has magical powers, right? Because he fucking shows up in places. Like he's just there magically, like, and also rises from the dead. At, right, like at that, like right before they go to hell. Right, like that's a dead man. It's a very. <laughs> right and i i like how like it, it it is fascinating in the sense that like we're we do explore the idea that like a lot of the things that he's like down in hell for are like other people right like he didn't you know it's it's a very odd experience right because like all these people died but like he didn't kill any of them right um but like so one of the criterion well the criterion essay on this uh suggests that uh, the Leopold and Loeb case played uh, as part inspiration for this. And if that's true, it's like such a tenuous inspiration. We've talked about the nature of inspiration before, so sure, right. maybe. But um, Leopold and Loeb, Loeb were the, the the inspiration for Hitchcock's Rope, among other things. Right. They were the, the, the two guys who decided that they were smart enough that they could commit murder and uh, never be found out and commit the perfect crime. And they did not. Uh, as it turns right. out, commit the perfect crime. Because the kinds of people who think that are not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Turns out, turns out, if you think you can commit the perfect crime, uh, no, that's self fulfilling too, right? Because the people who have actually successfully committed the perfect crime, we don't know about. So, I can't. That's true. That is also true. That's true. But like, yeah. I mean, yeah. Yes. Anyway, um, <clears throat> so the Criterion essay suggests that they are their support, uh, which suggests that uh, that the death. The first death in this movie um, is somehow Shiro's fault, purposefully Shiro's fault, despite the fact that he's not driving. Well, yeah, no, we're we're in, we're in classic like bad movie villain. Like we get into classic bad movie villain territory like right off the bat, in the sense that like you get that whole thing that happens in nearly every movie. It's like this person's life is a is a is on is on your hands because you didn't you know like it's always like some like. I, I've got these hostages and it, or whatever, and like if you do a thing, I'm gonna kill them, and those that blood will be on your hands. I'm like, no, no, that blood will be on your hands. Like, I, I, that's always a weird thing in a movie that I can't ever. I hate it every time it shows up in a movie. Is like, like no, I know who did this thing. <laughs> like, like, you know, like, and and this one's even weirder because like, yeah, you made me take this this direction, so this is your fault. Like, what, what? Like, that doesn't make any sense. And then people just die like crazy here. Yeah. 
just for whatever fucking reason. That's actually, no, what I what I really love about this movie's uh, view of hell and cosmology. I have I have uh, in recent years. If anyone has asked me why I still consider myself a Christian, the answer I generally give is something along the lines that uh, that philosophically, I think that the the teachings of Jesus are the only way uh, humanity can move forward from uh, from the hell that we create for ourselves. Um, and this movie is about <laughs> humanity creating hell for itself, and and randomness creating hell for it too, eh, for us too. Uh, well, and th- and that's uh, honestly speaking, one of my problems with this film is it is about Buddhist hell, and it does not actually explain. Right. Like I really, I like a lot about this movie. Okay, like yeah. in terms of just like visually and like how wild it is, it's it's great in that way. It's like it's a great '60s Japanese film, right? Yeah. But like, like it does not really deeply it, like the people. In this people, er, the people in this film are not are not dealing with Buddhism in a way that, m- from the perspective of Buddhism, makes any fucking sense. Right, right. Like you know what I mean? Yes, people's wants and desires create hell. Like they create their their you create your own bad world, right? Because you want you have wants and desires, and you and you try to fulfill them, and those sorts of things. But like, like. Buddhism being such a weirdly existential religion in that way, like this is just so intensely overt, and like this guy, our main character, like kind of doesn't create anything, right? Like he just sort of like he he like uh, Mr. Magoo's through the universe, yeah. And that's that's a weird thing because like I don't actually know what his wants and desires are that 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 like karmically make his life hell, like you know what I mean. It's weird that way. It really is. I, like I said, I'm not a Buddhist. Like I don't like my knowledge of Buddhist philosophy is it's pretty small. But like it's you know, I I do have to deal with it occasionally. And yeah. It's like I don't know. Like it. This this doesn't feel like a very Buddhist film. This feels like a. I wanted. I found out that like I read all the things about Buddhist hell that's written, and like it's all pretty dark and yeah, wicked, cool. So I'm gonna make a movie about it. <laughs> like I'm not gonna talk about how you get to there. Like well, you know what I mean? Like I'm not gonna talk about like what makes or doesn't make a good Buddhist, right? right. Like I'm not like I'm not gonna deal with that. Well, in in that regard, um, if we understand any sort of morality in this film. Uh, and, and if such a morality exists in this film, that that good people can go and uh, go to hell uh, for for not being good enough or for doing bad things, then this also suggests that the the randomness of the world we've created for ourselves makes it impossible not to do those bad things. Well, right. right? Well, what's the what's what's the uh, what was the was it. What was it? That we, did we watch something? Together, uh, we've or? we've talked about the good place recently, as far as as far as oh, ideas right. yeah, like that's that. That's what it go. was. That's what it was. Where like you're kind of you're like it's impossible to win now. Right, the game is rigged. Right, yeah. That the, uh, yeah, it's it is impossible to get the good points, uh, um, within within the world we created for ourselves. And I feel like I feel like the movie uh, you know, I might be imposing that view, but the movie kind of plays plays with those ideas too to a certain extent, I think. Uh but also you're probably right that that any ideological reading of this movie is uh superfluous to a bunch yeah, of really I mean, it's awesome visuals. Really and uh like it's super problematic. Right. Like because like the things that you did like very it, it, very little of this all makes sense, especially the fact that every person we've met dies at nine o'clock, right? Except for the three who have died previously, <laughs> right? Yeah, no, it, it it is it is. I mean, like I said, for what it is, it is it is great. It's wild and crazy and great, and I really enjoyed watching it. But like, I can't like I one of the things I dreaded while I was watching is like we're gonna end up having to talk about religion, and this movie has nothing to do with. Religion. No, it really doesn't. It just doesn't. No, it's not what it's about. The people, do, the people who go to hell, like they don't go to hell for reasons that make any sense. In in the in the like, some of them do, but like, 
you know, like you're, and then there's like this whole cycle of rebirth and stuff, and that doesn't deal with that at all. It's just weird. It's like basically what it reminds me of is like I've encountered a few people like this, like they've read those texts and they're like, oh, this is wicked cool. Yeah, I wanna I wanna make a thing with this, and this that this is that right? Yeah, it's it's the uh, it's the black metal version of of Japanese right, exactly. Film, yeah. Right? Um. Yeah, it's people who thought the image thought the imagery was cool, so let's get in on it. Right, and like, no wonder they don't talk about heaven. I don't know what Buddhist concept of heaven is, but uh, well, I mean, you, uh, I'm you sure it's not nearly. It, right? like, I'm sure it's not nearly as exciting as hell. Right, because it, the way you get there, you you have to reach perfect enlightenment, which means right. you have to like transcend your transcend all the things that like are bad and like. You know, like your yeah. wants, desires, and needs, and all that stuff. It's like, well, that's pretty boring. Yeah, I mean, but that's even even outside of Buddhism, there's a reason uh, Dante's Inferno is the only part of the Divine Comedy anyone's ever heard of. Right, <laughs> the hell stuff's a lot more uh, visually stimulating than <laughs> than anything else. Um, even even though Dante just he tries very hard to make heaven as uh, Absurdly incomprehensible as his hell, actually. <laughs> uh, actually, Dante's hell is probably a lot more comprehensible than Dante's vision of heaven. Um, but, uh, but yeah. <laughs> Read the rest of the Divine Comedy is actually is pretty great, but uh, as far as its own cosmology. That's probably not going to happen. Yeah. I'm not going to lie to you. Yeah, no. If that's it. advice for the audience. I'm cool with that. That's fine. Uh, but yeah, this motivations in this movie don't make any sense, and they just they don't even they just serve to, to get no, us just, to the last. There's act. a reason why we spend right. fully half the movie in hell, right? Because it's just like how fast can we get there, right? And uh, and they probably could have gotten there a little faster if they tried, but yeah. but they tried to make it make a little bit of sense. Uh, yeah, like we need a we need a visual representation on screen of why everybody's there, right? Uh, which is real tenuous a lot of times. <laughs> right. Like, I do not know why his girlfriend's in hell. Well. Uh, his fiance, I mean. Yeah, I don't understand. Like, the, the essay suggests like, the, their only amount of, of anything that might be considered uh, bad is, is uh, I guess, pregnancy out of wedlock. But it doesn't seem like that's really a thing outside of Western culture. So, no, 1960s Japan. It's not. So... They were going to get married, so it's not, yeah. One of the things that I don't actually fully comprehend, and, like, I think it sent me down a path in my head, which is, like, what what gets you to Buddhist hell? And, like, it's not a thing I have a real solid answer for. Yeah. Because you're also on a a cycle of rebirth that, like, lets you try infinite number of times to, like, get it right. And so it's always uh, that that is a confusing concept. How do you like, what do how you do you goof do, up like, enough to actually to to get down there? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't I don't I've never fully comprehended that to the point where like almost none of the Buddhist stuff that I've ever encountered in like popular media has ever talked about it. Uh Yeah. Like you know what I mean? Like it's always talking about like auspicious rebirth and things like that it's never talking like i i almost never encounter like like ah and this is how i ended up in this is how you end up in hell like i have no idea so so cursory reading of uh of the naraka uh wikipedia page suggests that uh hell is just another cycle uh that eventually yeah and you're supposed to get out but like the, the description of this is it's it's the problem is all the other cycles exist within a human lifespan. Yeah. So like, like oh, but this one you're going to be down there for essentially infinite time because it's like fucking like ten to the yes, what is it, like one to the ten, ten to the power of twelve years or whatever. Yes. It's like well, okay, forever. So I don't know. It's um, it's not a thing I fully understand because like I've not ever invested enough time into learning about Buddhism enough to know. More than what I need to teach, the things I need to teach yeah. that are tangentially related to it. Yeah, the uh, the first, I suppose, circle of uh, of Buddhist hell, you spend uh, two trillion years in, 
and each circle you spend 20 times longer in and there's like a dozen circles <laughs> yeah no so i i don't i don't fully you mean the lifespan of the earth i mean like you're not right. gonna you're gonna be reburned into like a fucking fiery ball i guess because you only get one of those uh but no i it's just a thing i've never fully like i've ever invested time to figure out because like when you read a, like a, a lot of Japanese literature about Buddhism, or you read a lot of watch movies that talk about it, or like like a lot of Japanese plays deal with it, like old Japanese plays, like especially made during like samurai, like Tokugawa era and things like that, where like that Buddhism was the main religion at the time, and so there's a lot of focus on that, and like, but it's like mostly talking about rebirth and like what you have to do to like how you go about earning a more auspicious rebirth. You know what I mean? Like what that process looks like. So I don't really have much familiarity with the sort of reverse side of that. Yeah. And uh, it, this is, it, I kind of like started looking into it, but I can't even find an answer. <laughs> not, <laughs> not easily, not quickly. I'm like, how do I go to hell? Like, what do I have to do here? Like to really fuck it up. And so I kind of gave up. I am, I am hopeful that, uh, that openly oppressing other people uh, and knowingly oppressing other people probably get you there. But, uh, but who knows? Yeah. I mean, yeah, probably. But like, I mean, I don't know. Like it's, it's, uh, yeah, who knows? Just who knows? Yeah. But as per usual, it doesn't really stop people from do- even Buddhist people from like, you know, from doing that. Right. <laughs> like, you know, sextillions of years. Oh yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Um, as far as the, the visual of hell in this film goes, obviously that's what we're building to the entire movie. And then we spend yeah, so much no, time absolutely. in it. Uh, so much time in it that it almost gets boring in, in being in it, honestly. No, yeah. You know what, you know what it does? You know what? I, I, I will describe to you the way I experienced it. It is, it is it's essentially demon fantasia. Yes, like you're just in there for so long. Absolutely, like, this is just like a fun little like visual romp, isn't it? Like yeah. we're not we're not really here to do anything, are we? Yeah, yeah. It's the the Witch Mountain part of Fantasia, just with worse music and longer. <laughs> well, and even and even worse than that, to my mind, it's it's almost like Fantasia as a whole in the sense that like we're, we we've gone we've transcended like practical storytelling at this point right just like we're just here for a ride right this is the this is the filmmaking equivalent of going on a ride that's fair yeah like yeah i mean it's it it does have plot because like rides have plots right like you you start at point a you end up at point b right um but in the end like we're not we're done learning things you know what i mean like the story is essentially over you know We've crossed the, the threshold at which the story stopped being the thing. And now we're just watching visual representations of hell. Uh, so in that sense, this is actually the Japanese Buddhist version of that Noah's Ark Museum. <laughs> well, uh, well, such, uh, such hell-themed theme parks do exist. Uh, Absolutely they do. In Asia, don't they? Or East I have Asia. encountered them before. Yeah. Um, I've also encountered sex-themed ones, which are also very interesting. I'm sure they are. The one in town is closed, but it was it was it was a wild ride when it was still. I'm here. sorry to hear that. Your sex. Uh, yeah, it closed down. It, I, I think it got it got basically put out of business by government that didn't want a, a, a museum of sex in town. Uh, yeah. It was it was interesting when it was here because it's also all Buddhist based stuff, like the same same kind of idea. Like we need to talk about the cosmology of this thing, and here we are, and there's a giant stone penis outside. <laughs> um, <laughs> and that's the end of the podcast, folks. That's, Thanks for coming. That's delightful, is what that is. Uh, but yeah, you're right to describe it as sort of just a ride, and the way, and you know he's constantly traveling through it, and it's the same. Like we're on I the mean, ride with him. I mean, and it's it's yeah. Epcot. It's uh, 
It's the haunted house. We're in a little spinny cup chair car thing. Yep, yep, yeah. There's some weird, some weird, like goofy ghosts reflected on mirrors. You yeah. know, the whole thing. Um, that if you sit in the wrong seat, they're on top of you, which is weird. I do love the sequence that's basically five minutes of every character we've met individually being shown on screen screaming. No, I yeah, I'm a big fan of that. And then we cut back um, to the jazz and naked women. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, the jazz and naked women is a wild thing that's in this movie. And it reminds me so much of Suzuki that it almost hurts. Right. Right. Like, and and I will say this. Like, this is a good movie, but Suzuki's better. <laughs> like, I don't want to be real mean, but, like, I would, I would rather watch Suzuki's version of this than this. Yeah, probably. Like, I mean, this is fine, but, like. Like this is this is only a ten on the Suzuki scale, and that we both know that that goes to eleven. That's fair. That's fair. Um, <laughs> oh, it's just so weird. Uh, it's a weird movie. It's a super weird. Movie. I really like. In the end, I'm really glad I watched it because, like, I have a of a touchstone of one of the of of a very strange thing that I've now watched. That, like, it's in me now. Like, I have this in my head. Like, I'm going to carry this around for the rest of my life, and it was wild. Like, if anybody ever asked, like, I feel like someday it will come up in the conversation. <laughs> You're so hoping. Yeah, yeah, fingers crossed that someday I'm going to have a chance to talk to somebody about, like, well, you know, I did watch this weird-ass movie about Buddhist hell. Um, Yeah, I don't know. Like, <laughs> we've got that whole plot at the beginning, and, like, it's really fascinating to see if a, a a plot that's built entirely in service of getting everybody to hell as fast as possible. Right. Like, we've got like the whole revenge story for the killing of that guy, and like they just keep showing up, and literally she just flies off the side of the bridge. <laughs> right. Like, what the fuck is even happening? I was like, how he wasn't even faced in her direction? Like, huh? And that, and then it was yeah. It's just fairy. I I don't know. It's really fascinating in that sense. And tomorrow's always right behind you. And uh, everybody just falls off bridges. And then everyone gets poisoned by bad fish. Yeah. like Which is hilarious because they're like, oh, we're not going to eat it. We're going to give it to the patients. And then they all die from fish. It's like, it's, I mean, fine. As the worst, the most poorly written morality play in history, yeah, fine. Right. Right. But, like, it's not real. Like, I mean, it's like all the morality stuff is just to get you there as quick yeah. as possible. Like, everyone everyone has their justification for uh, why they should go to hell. And then they die arbitrarily. <laughs> I guess it could have been more arbitrary. I guess the train could have exploded while it was going through town. <laughs> Essentially, that's what happens to his fiance. That's fair. Like, she goes to hell because their driver crashes. Right. Like, he turns into to like yeah, Tamura, uh, uh, right? Tamura. I'm, I'm yeah. even looking at the web. I'm, I'm now on like I'm nine layers deep on the fucking like Japanese <laughs> or on the Buddhist hell page. <laughs> and what I'm learning is it's all Chinese writing. It's all Chinese Buddhist yeah. writing. Like that I'm running into. Of course like, it I is. Well, no, but there's there are significant differences between different types of Buddhism, like really meaningful and powerful. No, I just mean, of course it is, because I don't feel like anyone in Japan has ever been interested enough to figure this out for themselves. Well, not recent, not not in recent years. Yeah. I don't think. I mean, maybe back in during the sort of the Edo era or something like that, maybe. But like, I don't feel like that's the relationship. Like, I mean, I could be totally wrong about this, but like. My impression has been that that's just not the relationship that Japanese people have had with Buddhism, really. Like, <laughs> if we have time at the end of the podcast, I'll draw, I'll describe Shinto hell, which is fascinating because it's the only place you can go. Uh, one of the, an article I read a while back uh, explains the Japanese like desire to integrate Buddhism into their religion. Uh, as a as a direct response to the fact that like Shintoism literally does not have a heaven. Yeah, it's just like it's because it's very animistic, a very old animistic religion. Religion, so like it's not hell either. It's just a dark place where things that are dead go. That just basically reflects what a cave is like, which is where you put dead people. Right. So you sit down there and you rot, and you're 
and it's dark and it's gloomy and you're there forever and it doesn't get better it just is that and so like i've i've read some papers that argue that like so like somebody had to come along and come up with something a little bit more interesting because like that sucks like knowing that's where you're going and that being the only option is shitty so people got on board with the idea of like oh we should find a we should find a religion with something a little bit better to offer yeah, unfortunately, uh, other religions uh, just decided to make that their version of hell. Uh, right. Oh, yeah. That sounds like a thing we want to do. <laughs> it's all fire and brimstone Well, I mean, now. Buddhism offers, it does offer a thing in the reverse, right? Which is like, we can you can keep going up. Right. Like, you don't have to stay down. You can keep going up. Right. But, yeah, no, it's just, uh, <laughs> I don't know, it's just fascinating to me. The idea that, like... I, I'm I'm always been enamored by the idea of like oh yeah we didn't bother to come up with a good one we just came up with the bad one and left it there <laughs> yes. that's it that's all we got this is where we all go it's it's shitty it's like theologies where there's only a devil where there's only the the right. bad deity certain certain strains of Christian Gnosticism that believe Yahweh is just a a bad a bad deity wow um yeah they exist <laughs> it's uh, it's a fascinating theology, a fascinating worldview that that causes. But, uh, but yeah, obviously not very widespread, but they exist. Um, they were more prevalent uh, 2,000 years ago, but they exist. But, yeah, this is... Uh, it's hard to talk about this movie because it's just insane. It's like, just everything it's just about, pictures of hell. Yeah. It's, just, it's just an hour of pictures of hell. Yeah. It's really, like, it is... Probably one of the hardest movies we've ever had to talk about, right? Because it's just, it's just nothing. It, I mean, it's again, it's 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 good in the same way that like weirdly Fantasia is good, right? Yeah. Like, like I can watch a visual representation of a wild world and it's fine. I can totally do it. But like, there's not a lot of substance to that second right. half. Like, he's trying to rescue his baby because apparently babies go to hell. I don't even yeah. know. But so I don't even fucking. Well, know. the baby was born in hell. You see. Oh, right. Okay. Because she died sense. pregnant. So. Right. That makes sense. So, like, I don't know. That doesn't make any yeah, sense. Yeah, it still doesn't actually make any sense. But it makes more sense than me being like, why would you send a baby to hell? Um, I think. And No, we do not need to talk about Christian theology right now, okay? <laughs> why a baby goes to hell. Uh, <laughs> no, 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 no. Within right Christian now. theology, babies don't go to hell. Um, presumably. There's a. Well. It depends on where you are. And when. It depends on where you are and, and what your belief about baptism yeah. is. Thank you very much. Uh, babies could go to hell, I suppose. I actually, I, absolutely can go to hell in Christian theology if you, if you belong to a, a belief structure that needs you to be baptized. I mentioned off-air uh, the latest episode of uh, What We Do in the Shadows, the TV adaptation of the amazing film, and the TV show is, is pretty dang great. Uh, but they're actually uh, – the, the trial that is taking place uh, involves a uh, – an accusation of turning a baby into a vampire, which all the vampires agree is a very bad thing to do. Just, just mean, God. yeah, just uncouth. <laughs> since, since vampires don't age, is the principal problem, right? Yeah, just an eternal blood sucking baby. Yeah. yeah, sounds pretty yeah. bad. Um, but anyway, uh, it's uh, really what what this film really feels like is obviously a little more uh overtly grotesque and gory but it's but even that's maybe not fair it feels like a hell house like an evangelical church's yeah, hell no, house it absolutely does it 100% i was going to because... start, like i don't have a lot of experience with that kind yeah. of stuff but like that weird sort of like well i'm going to go room to room in all the different versions of hell right and we go room to room at first in a hell house we go room to room showing all of our people behaving badly and then we go room to room showing those same people being punished for having behaved badly after a car accident or something that kills everybody. Right. Uh, so it's really it's the same format as as your average evangelical hellhouse too, uh, except that we don't have an altar call at the end. Um, though presumably the sequel that involved heaven would have had its altar call, <laughs> whatever. But instead we we end with. The baby on what a, a wheel of life, just spinning, spinning, spinning. Yeah, yeah, dharmic wheel or whatever. Yeah, and then uh, yeah, and then our character. 
thankfully, uh, this film was not uh, two sextillion years long. Uh, so I'm not sure how much more of it I could have taken, but but it was still it was enjoyable Thanks, while it lasted. Bert. But uh, no, yeah, no, I, yeah, it, it it is very it is it is very much its own thing and a thing that exists like kind of in its own little sort of package of itself, uh, and then doesn't really it is not a film you ever need to watch again necessarily. Like I understand how it became a cult classic. I get that. Yeah. But it is it is a prime example to me, honestly speaking, of how like that that phrase is such a weirdly dangerous and loaded phrase, like because there's like multiple meanings of that phrase, right? Like of like a cult classic, right? Like because there are the ones that are like secretly good movies that like just got passed over, right? Like people just didn't notice, and then like a, a loyal fan group decides like, no, we love this film because it was actually good. And then there's the ones that I think this one is just popular because it's like it was wildly weird and gory for its time. Yeah. And then also had some naked ladies in it. And it's like, well, this is this is a perfect storm here. Like <laughs> they've done it. They made the perfect film. Yeah. Like if you're into Japanese horror, I mean, I guess you could like definitely do a like it's fascinating as sort of an antecedent to like what comes later, right? Yeah. Uh, Visually, certainly. Yeah. But like, but at the same time, it to reminds me, like that doesn't make it a necessarily better. Yeah. Movie. It reminds me a lot of Carnival of Souls in that regard too, where it's a lot of mm-hmm. of yeah. creepy visuals, but the plot doesn't make sense and none of it matters. So, <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, it does a lot. Like, uh, it, it's inspiration moving forward, uh, but what it's doing here isn't. It's not scary. It's just grotesque. And grotesque has its place within horror too. You know, we talked last week about about the different sorts of horror movies that there are, right? And and grotesquerie is is its own horror. Yeah, genre. and it's it's one of my least favorites. Right. But like this one is like laughable in the sense that like you know we've, we're suffering from like visual, you know, like the classic FX right problem right like this is it's just laughing laughable now right like it just doesn't look real even a little bit right and i mean i don't it is weird that we that is a just in the nature of film right like what to somebody at the time was probably really like shocking yeah and new to us is like wow like congratulations you made a thing that like college well you got an arrow through your head yeah that's great Exactly. Exactly. And 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 that and that's on us to a certain extent, right? Like right. you got like it's almost like like it's a different version of like having to like have the eyes of a child, right? Like but especially when it comes to like horror films, I'm not willing to do that because that requires sacrificing something of myself that I'm just <laughs> at, right? Like yeah. Like if I if I I'm willing to do it with other types of film, but if I if I decide I want to try to view this with the eyes of a person who this actually scared, like I'm not no. I got better things to do with my life than actually purposely scare myself. Um, So, yeah, like, it's just, it's not shocking in any way other than it just being kind of, like, fucking crazy, right? Right. Right. And that's... And and we don't get any real resolution at the end. We don't get... We don't get anything out of it in the end, really. Right. Right. And then the... There's just all sorts of things that come completely out of left field into the plot. I just like instead of Wait, like, like and that other girl's his sister like right the other girl so who weird. It's like, who looks exactly we, we like his fucking, fiance like, we pulled a fucking Luke Skywalker and Princess Leia on us out of fucking yeah. nowhere in the middle of the movie yeah and then the baby exists out of nowhere out until they're in hell and then everyone's in hell wait how did she die uh I think tomorrow shot her. Is that? Oh right, right, right. She somehow got shot when he was shooting. Yeah. yeah. Okay, I forgot about that. I was like, "How did she die again?" Like, it's like I kind of lost track. I mean, that's a whole other <laughs> thing, right? Like, how did died. everybody in this movie die? Just everyone died. <laughs> Who hangs himself? The artist. Oh, hangs I will himself. talk about one thing that is legitimately kind of beautiful, what? in a really weird way, is the name of the place that they, the name of the nursing home that they are, is called essentially like the Plains of Heaven. Yes. Okay, is what it translates to. Yes. Uh, and there's a couple things where like people move towards it and, and like 
like it's weird because that place is not heavenly at all but then like we see like buddhist monks and stuff do going about their business around it and stuff and approaching it and leaving it and stuff and so it's like this whole feeling of like for somebody almost there's the impression that for somebody this place is like part of the process of you know the planes of heaven or whatever you know what i mean like uh, about achieving like enlightenment and, and, and transcending and things like that but for the people in this film it's not right you know what i mean like they're all like a bunch of garbage people doing bad things to each other and being horrible in in a place named heaven basically at the same but then there are other tangential people that are just present in the scenes that are like actually doing that thing i want something even subtler here though right okay this is a movie that was originally supposed to be about heaven and hell that is now only about right. hell those monks who are interacting with planes of heaven uh but are seemingly ignorant of what's actually happening at the community they are within the cosmology, eschatology of this film world uh, version of Buddhism. Uh, they are they are complacent in what's happening, and perhaps even suggested to be knowingly complacent in what is happening. It's possible everybody's yeah. like, it's going hard to hell. To know. Every single right. Person. Well, that that that's the problem. Yeah. Is that like in this film, everybody goes to hell, which has just never been my interpretation of Buddhism. Right. So like, it is, it's a little weird. That is I, an I think, awful universalism, is what that is. Right. Like I don't I don't think that that is what necessarily our director is trying to go yeah. for in this environment. I think it's just to be a sort of juxtaposition of like. For example, naming the place where everybody acts like an asshole heaven is just a fun thing to do, right? And then having Buddhist monks like be doing kind of those kind of things in and around it makes it feel more like you there I think the other option is that like oh these are the aberrations that like exist that can exist in any place or something. I don't know. It's just cuz like they the the director likes to give us these weirdly tranquil shots sometimes. Yeah. And then in a movie that's just not that at all, right? Right. And then, like, I think the implication may be that, like, all the things that we're seeing here are choices. Except that they're not, right? right. Like, I mean, like, if you were making the, like, kind of, like, the more profound version of this movie, right, like, you're talking about the fact that everybody in here is making choices, right? That's getting them where they're like, you know, that they, they had other choices except for again, our main character. I don't even know what he did. Like it's all very, and then like the girl who like his fiance again, his, the girl that turns out to be his sister. Like there's a bunch of dead people go to hell that I can't like that ruin any attempt to make this movie make sense that way. And so it, probably shouldn't even waste time on it anymore but like it's really hard because like this is the kind of like it's easy to imagine a version of this movie that we would want to talk about that stuff and this is not that this is not that yeah yeah (laughs) uh because you and i like to talk about these kind of things and this is just not ripe for that discussion right Would you like to talk about all the weird shit that happens to people in hell? Um, Like people's bodies being flayed? There's a lot of flaying. There's a lot of stabbing. There's a lot of screaming. Uh, There's a point where it seems like the crowd of people writhing on the floor form a swastika for a second, which is also just out there, but sure. Well, it's Buddhism. Yeah. Swastikas are the main feature of Japanese Buddhism, especially. Like every Japanese temple... I mean, it's the up, wrong direction. Right. Like the, the, the one, you know, it's a, the opposite direction of what we think of. Yeah, but I like think this one... Every every Buddhist temple on every map in Japan is marked with a swastika. Just the one in the right direction. Like the correct direction. Yeah. Which is a thing that freaks out a lot of people when they come to Japan. <laughs> it's like, why are these all over the map? Yeah. No, I I just... I felt like... So I'm, I felt I'm like it was in the other direction. Sense. Is is why I don't know. I have but maybe I'm wrong. I, I wasn't paying that close attention. Yeah. I wasn't making, paying that close of attention. Yeah. So anyway, um, yeah. There's just 
there's a lot of interesting things going on here, but all of the interesting things going on are are visual and are like you know they're they're devil horns, hell yeah, metal. Yeah, no, it just feels like some real some real metal tease. Right, right, yeah, and uh, and that's enjoyable to interact with for a little bit for a little bit. <laughs> But it's not meaningful, at least to me. And maybe there are people it is meaningful for, and maybe those. Well, I mean, people I think I'm sure idiots. there are, but like <laughs> I don't, I don't think it's meaningful in a philosophical. But way. in a philosophical way, way, it's definitely not meaningful here. Um, it's just cool. Now, now, as I as I started off the episode talking about, I think that if we want to impose uh, something ideological here, an absurdism. Uh, where anything, a system that is so absurdly constructed that everyone ends up in hell, that is an interesting idea to explore. And things like The Good Place are exploring that idea, right? Um, philosophically. And I think that's that's fascinating. But that's not what this movie is actually interested in doing. So, right. yeah. So, yeah. Again... It's an enjoyable watch. Uh, and, you know, thinking of the other Japanese horror films from this era that we've seen, Onibaba, Kwaidan, um, I think this is this is the most enjoyable to watch out of them. Kwaidan's a good movie. Kwaidan is actually a good horror movie, too, right? <laughs> but, right, right. Um, oh, I just learned something interesting. What's that? Oh, uh, it's probably not relevant to the podcast, but both directions are good. Fascinating. I did not know that. I'm sorry? The one that's on all Japanese temples okay. is the one we're talking about. Yeah. But the other one is not a directly negative symbol either. It is It is present in... Uh, it is It is uh, present in Buddhist cosmology as well. I see. Just meaning, like, the idea of intelligence and, and like, strength and... Okay. That sort of stuff, and obviously, like you know, the Nazis appropriated it. Yeah, like, it is all. I I did not know that. That's Those Nazis. Yeah, well, always you know, we, being they, bad. They come up more and more frequently these days for some reason that I can't <laughs> think of. Hell, everybody's there. <laughs> yep, we're all there. We've we've all done it. We've all gotten there. Jigoku. Uh, it's, yeah. We didn't even notice. An interesting movie. Um, <laughs> but, but, yeah. Uh, this week we have been talking about uh, a movie called Hell. Uh, the Sinners of Hell, apparently, in one English release, but Jigoku. Uh, directed by Nobuo Nakagawa. Uh, yeah, just a fascinating little movie that I will I will visually think about a lot moving forward, I'm sure. Yeah, but by we'll never think about the plot. Again. But yeah, the plot doesn't exist anyway. So um next week uh we have a, a really a really great change of pace for us. Um an early Alfonso Cuarón work, uh, his 1991 film Solo con tu pareja. Uh and uh, yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to that movie. Uh Cuarón makes fantastic right. films. Um as a director I'm familiar with. Uh, it's always nice to see something from a director I'm familiar with outside of the outside of our project here. Um, not that I don't. It, it I love it when when the Criterion Collection introduces me to a director I've been unfamiliar with. Uh, but but the early work of people I'm already familiar with is also fascinating too. So look forward to watching that. This week it's been Jigoku. So thank you once again for listening to Lost in Criterion. I am, as always, the Adam Glass. With me, as always, John Patrick Oatari Dorgan. And we'll see you next time.
You've been listening to Lost in Criterion, hosted by John Patrick Oatari Dorgan and the Adam Glass, who edits it. We're a production of WithTwoBrains.com. Jonathan Hape does the music. Check him out at JonathanHape.Bandcamp.com. And hey, if you like us, why don't you give us a review on iTunes, like us on Facebook, or support us on Patreon. It's Patreon.com slash Lost in Criterion. We'd appreciate it.